will start recording now. Okay. So normally people would start off by asking me if I have a podcast, and I say, no, I do not have a podcast. <laughs> but, but luckily I have a platform that I can use, one supported by B- and the running joke that I have IRL is that I change what the B actually stands for every time. So one day it was Brock hyphen, another day it was black hyphen, the third day it was <laughs> beignet hyphen. Oh, yeah, I, like, I like that. There was a day it was all about donuts, and I don't remember why. I, I like, like that. Right. I like the shift. It, Keep it, him on his keeps, toes. It keeps it funky. He doesn't hear it. <laughs> oh, he doesn't? No. God, no. If he was privy to all of the things I say about him, he would, actually, he would blush. Oh, yeah, he would. He definitely would. I was like, would he be mad? No. No, he, he, he'd be embarrassed. He would, like to, he would like to know that he's a part of so many people's attention. That is true. That is true. And we do love B hyphen. Yes. All yes, the hearts. <laughs> <laughs> so my guest is the esteemed wife of B hyphen, but that is only your second title because the first and most important title is one of the most winningest West Virginia teachers ever. <laughs> I like that you put it that way. That's it is because you know I, I I appreciate the work and effort that you've put in, and of course your students have put in. Oh, thank you. To get that title, it didn't take long for Kellen to fall in love with you, but it took a while for you to become the most winningest history teacher in West Virginia. Yes, I think that's the work we're going to talk about. So, how is teaching going? <laughs> <laughs> it has. <laughs> That's that's an interesting question. It's been a big adjustment, I think, for for everyone across the state of West Virginia. Um, we're really blessed here in Monongalia County because um, we have a one to one um, technology ratio, so all our kids have Chromebooks. That's fantastic. So, yeah, which is is it's been amazing actually. But we are probably one of the more fortunate counties because not every county is blessed with that, and not every county is blessed with the majority of their kids having um, internet access at home. And I would yeah. say, you know, the the vast majority of our students do have the internet access at home. I teach about 135 kids, and I probably only have maybe three to four on a regular basis who don't have internet access. Ouch. So, yeah. So that that becomes a, an interesting challenge to deal with. Uh, like I said, the blessing of having one-to-one technology, the biggest blessing is it keeps me connected to the kids. So we can message every day. I can hear about what they need. Um, they can just send me messages if they just want to talk or chat, if they're just having rough days, which is really, really nice. Because as a teacher, one of the big things that I think a lot of people don't realize, they're thinking, oh my gosh, you're off your home. No, we're not off. And the no. sad thing is we are, are are missing our students so, so much because the biggest part of teaching is the interaction we have daily with our kids and the relationships that we build. So mm-hmm. this has been a challenge and a struggle for me personally because I miss all 135 of them and I, I don't get to see them daily and I don't get the interactions that I'm used to um, and I that they're realize. used to. I didn't realize that it was 135 students. That's a whole lot of kids. It is. And, and I only have two at home right now. I can't imagine you had to deal with 100 and well, actually there's 135 that you were personally responsible for, but you have a few hundred in your school. Yes. We have about that, 800 kids. 
Oh, oh yeah. That's a, uh, yeah, no, that's too many. It's yeah, too many for it, me. It is. And I agree. I think, I think the concept that it is too many is, is very real and very true because I feel like to really have um, personal relationships amongst the kids and amongst the staff and, and amongst the entire school, I think really you should never have a population over like 400 in a school um, ah, because so- the numbers, when they get very large, I taught at a school before I came here um, and we only had 150 kids total in grades uh, five through eight. So wow, that is a, that is a private school. It was, it was a very tiny rural school. I taught um, out in Marion County in, in a small community called Fairview. And mm. um, I only had about 30, 35 kids per grade. And I taught two grades. I taught seventh and eighth grade. Really and I loved good. it because your interactions were with all the kids. You knew all of them. Um, we actually also on top of the five through eight had a pre-K in our building. So we had good interactions with, uh, younger kids and a mentorship. And it was a really, really cool connected place to work at. Um, and then coming to a school of 800, it was a huge, huge shift uh, for me. Are you able to get the same sort of connection that you had with them in the school as you uh, at home now? Or is it? Uh... No, not really. I mean, I do hear from we conference and I like to go on. I am um, we have the ability to conference in our um online learning management system. So I've been conferencing with them at least once a week where they have the option. They're not required, but they have the option to get on and uh, see me through webcam and uh, turn on their microphones and chat and check in and uh, let me hear their voice and let me know that they're doing okay. And of the 135, I'll be honest, each week I probably only conference with about 15 to 20 of them that take advantage of the situation. Um, I got to imagine that's a whole lot of... I'm not going to say extra work because it's still something that you love to do. Right. And, you know, it's not work if it's something that you love to do. Right. Exactly. And I, and I, I do, I like being able to check in with them. We do message a lot. Um, I use a system through my phone called remind uh, where mm-hmm. they actually can text me um, and that we don't have each other's number, but it's, it's sent through an out- outside uh, system and it turns it into a text message. So the kids can text me constantly, which we use that a lot. And then we have our Schoology system uh, where they can send me messages and I get an email uh, letting me know that they sent me a message through our learning management system and I can check in with them. So my son is using uh, Google Classroom and my mm-hmm. daughter is using a mix of class of different <laughs> applications. Yes. Is there a breakup in your school between what they're actually using because of grade level or have you guys streamlined everything to be in Google Classroom? Um, we use, like I said, ours is called Schoology, but we have a lot of teachers who still love Google Classroom and use it regularly and uh, connect it to uh, their Schoology. The big problem with Google Classroom is our grades don't automatically transfer from Google Classroom to Schoology. So it's almost Mm -hmm. like if you score things on Google Classroom, you still have to move it to Schoology. Um, We're all trying to uh, become more immersed in the system, the Schoology system, because it does have opportunities like conferencing and creating your own web page and uploading assignments and, and creating tests on there that will automatically, well, multiple choice tests, but uh, yeah. certain ones that can all automatically be graded. So I think the biggest problem with technology in this day and age, especially with kids, is there's so much out there and teachers are all different and we all like and take advantage of, of different opportunities and different technologies. So that 
becomes a struggle sometimes. So technology so, can be a burden just as much as, as a help. Basically way too many options and yes. it just makes things a little difficult. That, that could be pro- part of the issue. We have, uh, my daughter has a math application that she uses and she has a reading application and she yes. has a social studies application. It's, it's a lot. It is. And, and it's a lot for kids, especially too, because I mean, even them, their, their abilities with technologies are, are amazing, but mm-hmm. still, it, it still can become overwhelming. And uh, still you have to train them to use their administrative functions, which is one thing my wife was telling me about. Yeah. And, and also that I realized that I, that my son and I share uh, failing <laughs> grade in, but use your administrative function to time things better and to be able yeah. to focus on specific things for whatever amount of time. You know, if you're in math class, you got to be in there for 15 minutes and then you got to hop to the reading. Right. Time administrative functions are what's doing it. It's weird. Oh, yeah. And then all of the meetings are online and it's yeah. just it's amazing. I I find the struggle on the kids end to be amazing. And I and but then I'm like, wait, <laughs> the struggle is uh 15-fold as the teacher. How are you getting all the classwork uh started? Or is there like uh some sort of curriculum path for you guys? Um for us, we started out um we had something called uh, Arctic Academy Days which we had created prior to any knowledge of any of this going to happen where we would utilize them um, for like cold weather days. So on Mm -hmm. days that the temperature dropped below normally, I think it was like 10 degrees, we would utilize these days um, and the kids would stay home. We'd come into school to work um, and they would do these um, review lessons is what they were. So we had five of those already set up. So we kind of started... The whole, um, when we, when they put us out first, we used those five lessons and then we created five more skills lessons. So mm-hmm. in the beginning, it was all uh, skills-based and, and kind of review. But then when we realized that we may be in this for the long haul, uh, we had to shift our thinking of, okay, now how are we going to deliver and, um, you know, provide instruction and support Uh, through online learning. So right before we left for, we just came off spring break actually last week. So uh, yeah, we were off for a week and um, which gave me a lot of time, a lot of good time to think about things and how I want to adapt uh, for the future. But Mm -hmm. um, I taught my first uh, real online lesson the week before we left for spring break. And we actually got on and uh, we read together and we discussed a chapter in the book as a foundational piece of knowledge for a project they were going to start this week. And mm-hmm. it was really, really good because I teach a, a wide variety of students, um, anywhere from uh, LD, which is learning disabled, you know, up through gifted kids. So being able to be online and um, rediscuss. Uh, was really beneficial to those who came. And then I also did something, Schoology has a neat option and a neat function where you can record your conferences so the kids who aren't able to be there or feel like they need more guidance, they can go back and listen uh, to those conferences and kind of hone in on on my key points and my my key ideas. Um, In one way, you guys have it, you guys have it so much more, there's so much more, Wow, I'm umming all over the place. You guys have a much better structure than 
then I'm saying that my son's and daughter's school has uh-huh. maybe maybe Boston Public for under high school needs a little bit of development and needs to talk to people in West Virginia because that all sounds amazing. And especially if it's if it if you guys were all all getting that together in a short term, in a yeah. in a short amount of time, that is pretty awesome. Well, uh, we really had to to come together and um, figure out what we could do that would be best for our kids because um, ultimately we know our goal is to uh, provide them with you know education, but also still the interaction because that's just as important as well because uh, those relationships we have a lot of students, especially from our area, who uh, their key relationships come out of the relationships they have outside of the home being, whether it's with their teachers or their friends. Um, and they still needed that interaction. So we had to figure out ways that we could still interact and the kids would still feel somewhat connected to us. And it's been hard. Like the connection is just, it's definitely not as great, but because we developed such good relationships between the beginning of the year and, um, you know, to, to up to the time we left, I think it's, it's really helped um, continue to foster uh, those interactions, even if they aren't as, as frequent, like we would see each other every day. So, mm-hmm. um, but I think with this, it's really help us uh, uh, hone in on what we need to work on as teachers and also develop, you know, how we can do this in the future. I actually have a background um, in instructional design and technology. So I have a master's in instructional design and technology. So oh, you were leading this. You were like, <laughs> oh, this is the way to go, everyone. Well, I, I actually love uh, online learning. I, I, I told um, Kellen that I would love to eventually teach online um, because mm-hmm. it's a completely different relationship, but there's there's limitless possibilities of what you can do with online learning. And it cuts out, it does, I hate that it cuts out the, the, the face-to-face connection, but it cuts out the disciplinary issues because yeah. we spend a lot of our classroom time uh, disciplining um, and doing things that are taking away from our teaching. So the online aspect is where I can actually focus on uh, creating learning opportunities um, that are really student-centered and student-driven um, as opposed to spending all those, time, all those moments uh, doing discipline. Um, so. so that brings to that. That's a, that's something that I was going to touch on um, as well. Mm-hmm. So considering that they're at home and they're doing this at their leisure, of course they have a, a end date for whatever project, but right. do you feel that these courses are making the same sort of impact as they are when they were in class? Um. Yes and no. I'll be honest. Um, with my gifted or my um, on-level kids, I feel like they're probably still getting um, the same kind of content delivery, the same kind of skills opportunities, um, and that they're continuing probably to stay at the same pace um, that we were in the classroom as long as I'm providing those opportunities and not stretching them, um, which... Right now, since we're still getting in the groove of what we're doing, we're kind of stretching the opportunities a little bit more. We're giving more time because the kids are still adjusting to this, uh, you know, this new normal right now. But yeah. um, for my for my special ed kids and, or my my kids who need more support, this is a huge struggle. And mm. them, first of all, mastering technology 
that has to come first before they can even try to pull any skills or content or anything else from it. So I think my biggest concern and, and those that are probably not getting as much out of the experience are, are those who struggle already with, you know, reading or with understanding technology or, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe below grade level. Um, This is, this is beyond anything that, that they would have ever experienced in the classroom because they always had me one-on-one that would come and support them in the technology area. And they don't have that. And it becomes a true struggle when they don't have parents at home also who can support and facilitate their learning as well. Cause sometimes parents um, aren't familiar with our system or aren't familiar with um, how they can support their child. Or aren't Um, familiar with the technology as well. Yes, exactly. And we offer, we did offer, and we always do at the beginning of the year, we always offer um, for parents to come in and learn about like Schoology and and the system and, you know, what they should know and learn to support their child. But that doesn't mean all parents have time or, uh, you know, means of transportation, or even, even if they are there, not always do they understand, you know, how to utilize the system correctly. So, these are the kids I worry about the most. It's my, you know, ones that are below grade level because I feel like they're losing out because they're stressing more over figuring out how to access the assignment or how they write down answers on, um, you know, whatever I've, I've provided them to write answers on, whether it be like a Google doc or, you know, a PDF or whatever. So they're losing out because they're probably not getting the content or the skills that the others may be picking up because they're struggling with the technology. And I feel like that's, that puts them at a really unfair disadvantage, not to mention kids who don't even have internet um, at home. The, at all. Ones, a, the ones that are truly disadvantaged. Yes. That's a truly, it, it's a, it's a completely different story, honestly, that yeah. we, and how we address that and how we're going to, and we are in unprecedented times. So, um, we're kind of having to roll with the punches at this point and do Mm -hmm. the best we can. And luckily um, I live in a very supportive community who has, has seen that we are, we are trying our best and we are doing everything in our power to try to support our students learning. Mm -hmm. And we've been lucky that we've not had a lot of backlash, at least here in Morgantown. Now I can't speak for other parts of the state, but I know here we've had a really, really supportive um, community. Do you believe this is the end of the year for them? Um, yes, I personally believe. Um, I, I see it as we won't be going back. Um, I know as a parent too, I don't think I'd be comfortable with sending my child back. Uh, right now, Governor Justice has us out through April 30th officially. Um, oh, they have not um, said anything else past that. And Governor Justice normally does a daily conference, daily press conference. Um, with different things, but not always updating on education. But um, right now, as we follow the news and we go through things, uh, it's saying that our peak is going to be probably the beginning of May. So that'll be the, you know, we've we've experienced uh, 10 deaths in West Virginia, and we're up to almost 700 cases, uh, confirmed cases. Uh, We're at a three point, I think today we were at a 3.78% ratio of those uh, that were confirmed and had the virus as opposed to those who, that were actually uh, tested for it. So our ratio is still low, but of yeah. course our ultimate goal is to keep it there and to get it to drop. So I don't believe the kids will be going back because I think for the safety of them and for the safety of our communities, um, also in West Virginia, uh, I'm not sure if you're aware, we, we are high, we have high numbers of grandparents raising 
uh, kids. A high number of elderly in the state. And high number of elderly in general. And so we don't want to send our kids back when they're going home to, you know, grandparents or grandparents that live with them, where these Mm -hmm. kids might not have a severe effect from it, but could be major carriers. So I wouldn't personally, I don't personally see us going back. And I don't think as parents, most parents would be comfortable with their kids going back either. We're supposed to end by, I think it's, our original end date was May 22nd. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe we will probably hear from Governor Justice either next week or the at, closer to the end saying that we won't be going back and that we're going to finish the, the school year online. And I think that's the safest route personally because I want my kids to be safe and I want my family to be safe. Right. And I believe ending the school year this way would also, I believe it's a better transition as well. Yes into summer and say and you know we're looking at uh possibly july being the break from uh from being shuttered indoors all this right i think Um, yeah we're looking at that too at least and actually you know some national predictions are saying like the beginning of august you know what it's fine (laughs) as as long as we're less and less people are getting sick and as long as they're working towards a cure or some yeah. way to um that vaccine that hopefully won't take 18 months like they originally had predicted 18 well, months minimum you know what they, they said 18 months but i'm pretty sure they can get it out a lot faster than that it's just that you know our healthcare system is based on um money more money. than actual health <laughs> so in 18 months they'll figure hey here's the main drug here's the commercial for it and uh here's the secondary drug and here's the ad for that yeah. push the main drug first in at, at what 11 months or 12 months and then push the second one quietly at 20 months right but either way i think um you you're right hopefully in the 2021 uh, excuse me, 2020, 2021 school year, they all go back. Um, what do you think about the kids ex- advancing to the next grade though? Um, we are, we were finishing our third nine weeks. So we were 75% of the way through our school year when we actually were shut down. So mm-hmm. I think that I, I, my perspective is that advancing them is totally expected and and I think we'll be okay. But I think the biggest thing that we're going to have to do as educators is prepare to fill in that gap of that 25%. We cannot expect that our kids have learned at the same rate that they did during that first 75%. And we have to realize there's going to be skill gaps and there's going to be things that we're going to have to recover from. Um, And then we also have to recover socially and emotionally in the school system too. I mean, our kids are missing you know, major milestones at the end of the year. They've canceled graduation locally. Seniors don't get to go back and see their friends. My eighth graders won't get to have their end of the year formal and their end of the year trip. So also emotionally, these kids going back to school in the fall, no matter when it happens, is going to be a big adjustment. So I think first and foremost, we're going to have to help with that. And then we're going to also have to fill in skill gaps and fill in content gaps that we know that they didn't achieve from the year before. And, and just, be ready and to realize that next year's not going to go smoothly and that's okay. And, yeah. and like I said, first and foremost, we're there for them um, as people because they're going to need that because that normalcy is going to be gone. And there's still going to be some kind of fear also coming back because like I said, with me teaching West Virginia studies, 
you know, I talked to my kids right before we left about uh, the Spanish flu that came through and wiped out a large population in the in the late 19 teens. And then the fear of like a second wave, just like they dealt with during that time of the Spanish flu, except the Spanish flu actually uh, took out young, healthy people. And this is the opposite. It was more the elderly that we're seeing that are dealing with it. So I think for our kids, it's next year's going to be okay. They're going to advance the grade. But as teachers, we're really going to have to figure out how to recover the social, emotional, and then also recover the content and the skills and just be okay with the, the, the slower rate of progression next year. So I've got uh, a trap card about that. <laughs> Do you believe that we should still have summer vacation the way it is now or do you believe that we should just uh change it in the way that other countries have where they have other long or other one week breaks through the year do you mean in general like year-round school or do you mean to deal with this that's happened in general year-round school not with uh, with this i am actually an advocate of a year-round school um, I believe year-round school would be beneficial because I deal with uh, students every year that have huge skill gaps because of the summer break mm-hmm. and students who are, are learning disabled and even behavior disorders um, don't adjust well when they come back. Uh, most studies actually say it can take them six to nine weeks just to get back in the groove of regular routine of school. So my viewpoint would be to do a nine weeks of school and then have them off for a week to two weeks, have a little bit bigger break in the summer, you know, more like a month, and then have a little bit bigger break at Christmas, and then just divide up the the dates uh, throughout the year. Because I think we would see, we really, the, our nation is looking to make significant gains in the areas of, of math and science and the STEM ideas. And the kids are not- Significant gains? I feel like uh, yeah. the gains we need to make are almost marginal to get to where we need. Well, and I think the problem is we don't see, we don't really analyze the deficits and how we can recoup those deficits. We, we mm-hmm. continuously fall back in the same cycle because we go back to this traditional school. And, you know, a lot of parents and a lot of people don't see, you know, the fact that, you know, we as educators would love to change and revamp um, the education system. We don't see it as being beneficial the way it is functioning and formed right now but we don't also have the power to change it. But I think year-round school would actually be a step in the right direction. Damn, somebody doesn't want the truth to come out. <laughs> it sounds that way. As soon as as soon as the conversation gets good, it's like... I know, he's about to say something, you know, very meaningful. You know what? I'm going to, for the sake of the rest of this, I'm going to... France, I will have a second conversation with you. Is that all right? All right, so... Um, so you and I are on the same wave. We would rather full year schooling. Um, and me from a parent, from a parent, I think there's a lot of services that schools offer that all of the children could benefit from year round. And like Franz says, there is that, um, that point in the school year. And especially when the kids get older, where whatever education they were getting, it starts to fall off. It starts to slacken because they're like, hey, you've got four weeks left. What are we going to try so hard for? Right. You're exactly right. After standardized testing, it kind of mm-hmm. it goes downhill from there. And the kids know they're nearing the end. So you're looking at our standardized testing normally happens the first or second week in May. So you normally have some gaps between two to three weeks of, you know, less 
I don't want to say that they're they're not academically beneficial, but like we tend to do more activities and more engaging things that are not as fast paced as the rest of the school year. Right. And some of the other things that you, we don't have time for in the school year, you could have more time then. You can yes. have more time and you can say, hey, you know what? You guys will get up. You'll, you guys will get uh, cooking classes. You guys will get all sorts of other secondary education, things that we've made secondary education. Right. Yeah, I agree. And, I agree. and we're not even thinking about lengthening the day of the school day. We're just talking about, hey, uh, just throughout the year. Oh, yeah, the, I know. For the most part, you would also... I feel like some people don't respect the teacher's time because they're like, hey, you guys have summer vacation. You have oh, all yes. of these times where you have a week off here. You right. have all of these holidays. And depending on the district that you're in, you'll have other religious holidays that other people don't get. Right, exactly. But having it year round, like everything else, and then the parents are now like, oh, no, let's support these teachers so that we're not having to pay for any summer camp which is almost a car payment nowadays. Oh, yes, it is. Very expensive. And all of these other things, finding, uh, I don't know if if the programs that you have for summer are near your house, but you have to be able to get your child there. Right. That's half the problem. Right. And and that's another car note. No, I agree completely. I think there's, we're also looking at, and we're trying to push for in West Virginia, um, uh, community schools, which would be very beneficial um, if we had year round school, because those Mm -hmm. community schools would uh, have wraparound services that would incorporate that after school care or those off day care or, you know, counselors and, you know. uh, Wraparound services makes it sound so much better. Oh yeah. Because like, we talk about how much that students, you know, they spend a good chunk of their lives in school. And mm-hmm. so school a lot of times becomes many kids safe place. So for them to have additional opportunities to either interact with people that they feel comfortable with, because depending on home life, of course, but right. also, you know, we talk about right now that uh, we're dealing with, you know, a food crisis here as well, because we have lots of families who their kids only get food when they're in school. So right. having those additional opportunities to provide food and snacks and, and have those pantries that we have in our school and those programs to support the kids year round school would be another benefit for them because then mm-hmm. we wouldn't be worrying so much and sending home two weeks of meals is a lot easier than trying to figure out how to feed kids for three months. And the whole thing on uh well, the, the, you'd have to be kind of in the inner city, but they have so much more downtime and that gets them into more trouble. Yes. Yes. I agree. Um, We don't have as many of those issues here, but ours is probably the opposite end where the downtime ends up being home with parents who aren't as supportive or, or, Mm -hmm. or get overly frustrated with their children, which sometimes can lead to uh, extremely difficult situations and, and other occurrences happening. So and making the home life less uh, comfortable. Yes. Which of course greatly impacts them then in their daily school life as well. So, you know, them having that safe place or that opportunity to stay later at school or go to additional activities or opportunities, um, I think can completely 
change kids perspective and also their opportunities and their future out of that. So yeah. I'm hoping we eventually go to community schools, which would one off offer those additional services, but then also might open eyes to that year round school could be very beneficial for our kids. So if there's one big takeaway that you've gotten from this situation as a, as a teaching professional, what is it? Probably the biggest takeaway I'll be honest is how much I look forward to and love seeing my kids every single day. And even when I'm stressed and I'm tired and I'm exhausted or I'm sick or I'm having a bad day, there is no place I would rather be than there with them and and not be at home teaching and, and trying to figure out how to accommodate all of them and not knowing if they're okay. And now, of course, facing the fact that I'm not going to probably get to go back and see them, and my eighth graders are going to move on without me seeing them and without me telling me telling them how proud I am of them. And that's Your probably the biggest takeaway. eighth graders are moving on to high school, yes. and then they're going to get tall, and they're going to grow mustaches and beards, and you oh, didn't God. get you won't see their their semi clear faces. I mean, under- there'll be a lot of change. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Angel, for stopping by and oh, taking a chunk of your life out for t- for me. <laughs> Tell Anytime. Brother Hyphen I appreciate him letting me borrow your time. Oh, I will tell him. Yes. And uh, when you see Bananas Hyphen, tell him have a good night. I, I will tell Bananas. <laughs> like I said, we can't, we can't, we have to keep calling, using the letter for something. It's good. You need to, you need to keep coming up with those creative, creative right. villains. Right. And uh, I know he just read to uh, Aaliyah, so it's bookworm hyphen. Bookworm hyphen? Okay. Bookworm That's hyphen. a good one. I like that. I like or that. what was what was another one, another word for bookworm? Uh, meh, I'll figure it out later. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good night. Thank you. You too. And thank you. This, 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 this is a hyphen podcast production. Are you not entertained?